Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Let's pray together. Father, we want to seek your voice in our lives. God, there are so many other voices that we hear. And these other voices, they do not speak the words of life and the words of truth. They speak discouragement and failure. They speak fear. But God, today, we want to hear the voice of your son. To find freedom in his life. God, to find favor in your will. So Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that all over this auditorium, whether people feel they are far or feel they are near, that we would each just yield to you and open our ears to listen deeply to your word, that God, your voice might change our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name as all God's people say, amen, amen. Today as we move on through our series, um, I want to, to outline what I believe is really kind of the experience of sort of running with a thousand pound weight uh, tied to your, your car. Um, uh, it, it's, it's the picture of, of resenting God and wondering why things aren't moving forward and, and, and growing. Because the truth is when we resent God, we really do quit on life. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I have, you know, resented God in some very obvious ways, and it was very evident to everybody that I was angry at God. There are other times, and this is more dangerous, that I've been very resentful of God, but haven't been honest enough to own it and to, to face Him with it. I was working on a project the other day, and, um, and it just kept getting worse. Everything I was doing was just, like, frustrating. I had tightened the bolts too much the last time um, I had, had worked on this. And so when I untightened them, I managed to snap off the heads of one bolt and, and miswire this. And, and, and I found myself, you know, at the end of this project, kind of, in, well, you know, before I got to the end and started over, you know, I just can't win. Any of y'all ever said that? Have y'all ever thought that? And the trouble is, you know, that's one thing when that's a project. It's another thing when it's a life. And for many of us here, I want to, to, un, to help you understand where you are and how God can change where you are and bring you into an amazing new place to where you, you and I do not have to live resenting life, um, resenting God, quitting on life, and, and simply believing that we, we can't win. Today, uh, I want to have one thing in mind uh, throughout our entire message, and it's a phrase that may or may not make sense now, but I, I think it will before the, the end. And what I want you to take away from today's message is this, and that is to play to win with the hand you're dealt. Let's, let's say it together. Play to win with the hand you're dealt. Jesus knew that in a world that was broken and separated from him, 
that everything would be crazy and everything would be a storm inside. And, and under the, the kind of you know, surface of normal, that nothing would ever be right until our lives were eternally connected with, with his heart. He knew that, that we would misinterpret uh, God. He knew that we would be uh, in competition with one another. He knew that community would be broken and relationship would be fractured in a 360 degree kind of way. And so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to enter into all of our brokenness and all of our insanity and all of our, our losing and hating and lying and, and despair to bring salvation, rightness, hope. God brought his kingdom into this broken world to, to make things right again. And Jesus told us what his kingdom was like. And, and he, gave us, he gave us a, a handle on, on interpreting the insanity and the craziness of life. And in Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable, a story, explaining the kingdom of heaven and how the kingdom of heaven works with uh, broken life and, and how we can interpret life in a way that, that is eternal. Of course, you just can't tell a better story than the ones that Jesus told. So let me tell you the story from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 um, through 30. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Remember that, that's really key. To one he gave five talents of money, and, and let's just go ahead and say um, five million dollars. To another, two million dollars. And to one, one million dollars. Each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. So here is the... Uh, the owner, and he calls his servants who did not have anything, and out of his own decision and his own heart, he gives three different amounts, and then he goes away. That's the period that, that we are, are living in right now. The man who had received the, the five million went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. There's one picture of life. So also the one with two million gained two more. But the man who'd received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. Another point to remember, uh, as Jesus explains reality in a broken world, there is coming a day when he will return. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master! You entrusted me with five million. See, I have gained for you five million more. His master replied, listen to this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now let me just ask, if someone gave you five mil, how many of you would call that a few things? I'd call that a, a lot, but this master is so wealthy that that was really nothing. So you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So there's more coming. Come and share your master's happiness. That's the state of the master's heart revealed. The man with two talents also came. Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained for you two million more. Now here's the amazing, surprising thing. His master replied, well, you didn't do as good as the first guy, 
but, you know, good enough. No. His master said the exact same thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Wait a minute, you're calling two million the same as five million. Yep. I will put you in charge of many things. Wait, you're giving me the same reward as you gave that guy? You bet I am. Come and share your master's happiness. You mean I'm as much a part of everything that you're going to do uh, in the future as, as the one that, that you gave more to? You bet. This is the, the strange equality of God. And then the man who had received the, the one million came. And listen to his heart. Listen to his interpretation of God and how that interpretation of God worked out into the investment, the living the joy, the happiness of his life. I knew that you were a hard man. Oh my gosh. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Basically, he, he's just accused the master of, of being uh, evil-hearted and um, either a thief, because when you harvest where you haven't planted, that's called stealing, or he's accusing him of, of abusing his power. Look, look, I'm helpless compared to you. You're the one with all the power. You got all the stuff, but, but I knew that you were bad, so, so here's what I did. I took what you gave me. I went out. I dug a hole, and I buried it. So here, here's what belongs to you. You never gave me anything worthwhile. You shortchanged me. You, you, you didn't give me as much as you gave those guys because you didn't have as good a future for me as you gave those guys. So here, take what you gave me. And the implication seems to be, leave me alone. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew I, I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I were to turn, I would have received it back with interest. Now, let's just push pause for a second. Are you getting the sense that God is a God who expects growth on his investment? Are you, are you understanding that God wants, he wants what is given to, to increase and be offered back? Are you, are you understanding the direction of the kingdom of heaven, that it is up, uh, towards, towards the, the Father's throne and not down uh, into the, the, the earth where we bury dead things. And the same trajectory that is true is true of our, our lives. Now here's, here's what, what then uh, God says. He says, well, then you should have put my money on deposit so I received it with interest. So take the talent from him, from, from the guy who was given, quote, the least, and give it to the one who has ten talents. Listen to the economy of God. Listen to, to what works in individual life. Listen to what works with churches. Because this is a secret. Parables tell us the secrets of the kingdom. This is revelation that we're hearing. For everyone who has will be given more. Wait a minute, that's not how we do things. Right? We, we find people who don't have and we give to them, uh, but that's not how it works with faith in the kingdom. For everyone who has faith will be given more and he will have an abundance. However, 
the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now throw this worthless servant out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me see if I can unfold this story um, so that we can understand what God wants from us in the living of, of our lives. The first thing is the foundation of everything is that life um, is that, that the foundation of life is that God is infinitely good and endlessly generous. And without that foundation of God's goodness, um, you and I are automatically uh, with, the, with the, the, the third who buries. And, and the simple truth is that, that I believe that the majority of us here are living lives of, of open or quiet resentment of God. And it's hardening our hearts and instead of living our lives up as God would intend, we, we are quitting in life overwhelmed because we haven't been given enough, we believe, to do what we've been asked to do. And because we have hurt and people have betrayed us, because we have faced times where we've had to struggle, because uh, God has allowed hard to happen in our lives, we, we look at him and, and without faith we, we look at him and we accuse him of, of being evil, of having a, a bad heart. God, I know that you're a hard God and that your heart towards me really isn't good. You, you say it is, but it's not because if it was, it wouldn't work out like this. That's what we say. But the scripture says in Psalm 119.68 that you are good and what you do is good. Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the foundation of everything. The whole course of your eternity, the whole experience of your everyday life until you die is going to be determined by what your heart decides about this one simple truth. Is God good or is God bad? You are good, O oh Lord, and what you do is good. Everything that God does is good, says faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God is infinitely generous. He is, he is, not, uh, you know, he, he is not stingy, he's infinitely generous. The second foundation that we need to understand <clears throat> throughout this, this message and this series and, and this next journey that God's calling us on is that we are stewards of life, not owners. All of life belongs to God. All of it. The, the, the ugliest four-letter word, and we all, can all think of four-letter words. I only had mouth, um, my mouth filled with soap once in my life. Um, it was memorable. I don't even remember what I said. Uh, in fact, I probably didn't understand what I said, but I never said it again. The four-letter word that is most offensive to the Father, I believe, may, might be mine. Because when we call life ours, we are totally rewriting reality. We are, we are disagreeing with the simple truth that we are managers, we are stewards. God is the God who has given uh, to each according to what he wanted and then for a short time has gone away in, in the story. He, he's, he's physically absent. And, and, and in the story... Um, We've been given something that, that we didn't create, earn, that we don't even owe. It's a temporary holding, and we're managers. And so the question is, what will we do with what we have for the short time before we offer it back? 
So if you, if you say, you know, your money is yours, then that, that reveals something about your relationship with God because it says that, that all of your life isn't God's. You know, and, and, and you're basically also saying that your money isn't God's. Um, and, and if your money's not God's, then your heart can't be his either. And, 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 and there will be a day when we're called to account for how we invested what we're given. That's what the scripture says. So one day, you and I will breathe our last, we'll stand before God, and God will look upon us and, and smile, and, and, and he'll evaluate, what did you do with what I gave you? And that's the test I'm trying to prepare you for. Third, God gives what, what pleases God, not what glorifies us. Guys, I'm, I'm just telling you that, that most of us here um, feel like we're in a, a, a life that we can't win. We feel like we're on a journey that we can't complete successfully. We, we feel like we haven't been given enough. We're, we're more like the third guy who's looking around and seeing what everybody else got and we're mad at the giver. I didn't get as much as they got. You know, I, I'm not as, and, and then we, we, we make this foundational shift that changes everything. When we decide God isn't good, our hearts begin to harden. Our world begins to go lightless. Um, uh, we begin to die. We begin to, to, to try less. Excellence and, and passion begin to, to drain. And, and pretty soon we're in a place where we're just, we're just pretty convinced that we can't win. And you know what you do when you can't win? You don't even try. I was a member in eighth grade of the, the, uh, the, the memorable Jarman Rockets football team. I'm telling you, at 105 pounds, um, I played defensive end. You know, I, if, if those running backs tripped over me, they went down every time. We were 0-10 going into the last game of the season, playing the Delcrest Falcons, who were 0-10 also. Somebody was coming out a winner. <laughs> the season would end gloriously for one and very sad for somebody else. Our team felt like such a loser <laughs> that nobody on the team even considered it possible that we could win. And you know what? It's only two or three of us that tried. When you feel like you're overwhelmed, when you feel like you've been dealt a bad hand, when you feel like there's no way you can win, you don't even try. And that's how most churches live their lives. That's how most churches play out their existence on planet Earth. Well, we can't win because the politicians, oh, we can't win because they're sinners in that world out there. And, and they're doing all these bad things and because they're doing, we just can't, we can't do anything. And they won't let us pray in the schools. Hey, you can pray for the schools, can't you? I'm just telling you guys, our, our minds and hearts are a bunch of, of often losing uh, patterns of thinking uh, from, from an idea that God isn't good and he hasn't given us enough. It's a lie from hell. And, and the truth is, you know, even, uh, you know, in my life over and over again, you know, I've looked at what I've gotten and I've been mad that I didn't have more. Any of y'all there? Am I alone? Come on. I'm, oh, I'm the crazy one. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's just you, Pastor Drew. The rest of us are fine, you know. I'm serious. We, we look around at what other people have, how they look, their, their athletic ability. 
tell me you've never been jealous, guys, of anybody else's athletic ability? Are you lying? Or, or the way somebody else could sing, or, or somebody else doing math, or, or, well, I'm not the best at this, and they're better than I am. And we compare, and we compare, and we compare, and in all of that comparison, there's this basic foundational accusation, God, you are not good. You shortchanged me. You didn't give me a winning hand, therefore I can't win, so why even try? And what happens in addiction, what happens in, in our divorces, what happens in our affairs, what happens in, in, in our sinning is we throw our hands down and we walk away mad and we're not even going to try. It's an incredible, incredible sin. See, God doesn't compare what he gave us with what he gave others and we shouldn't compare what we've been given either. Our purpose isn't their purpose. So when you look, you, you look at even how, how you look. You look how God wanted you to look. You know? And, and the trouble is, the really twisted thing at the base that we don't even talk about is, the trouble is we want more, not for the glory of God. We want more for our glory. We, we want to have more, and then you fill in the blank with, we want that so that we can be more uh, elevated in the eyes of other human beings. Well, God Almighty gave each one of us what he wanted us to have for his glory and for his purposes. God gives what pleases him, not what glorifies us. Fourth, don't confuse God not being fair with God not being right. Okay? Uh, God, um, you know... God doesn't compare what he gave us to what he gave others. He didn't, he didn't compare what he gave with the five million to the two million to the one million. In his eyes, somehow, that's all equal, really. I just want to tell you, it's all equal. And, and it all receives the equal reward <laughs> because it's all for God's purposes. And, and, and the truth is, um, you know, uh, that we don't want fair. If you want fair, then you want to pay for all of eternity for your sin instead of letting Jesus Christ, the innocent one, pay for your sin on the cross. It wasn't fair that we murdered Jesus and that God laid on his, his uh, shoulders all the punishment for our sin. That's not fair. God, thank you for not being fair. So those of you who are parents, the next time your child whines about that not being fair, tell them something brilliant like this, life is not fair. And then go look in the mirror and remind yourself. <laughs> Fifth, misinterpreting God's good heart results in a hard heart and a wasted life. If we're honest, many of us resent what God has given us or what God hasn't given us, right? Um, and, 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 you know, the truth is, um, well, well, let me just, to resent God is to judge him as evil. It just is. Um, and in thinking God evil, we harden our heart and turn naturally away from his life and purpose. The, when these two were given the five million and, and, the, and, and the two million, the, the picture is they, they took what they were given and they ran with it. Man, they played the hand they were dealt. And they did everything they could with joy and eagerness to, to make a return on the investment so they could offer it back to the owner when the owner came back. But the, the third guy, from the moment he got what he got, it was all bad. From the moment he got what he got, he was mad. He was angry. He was shortchanged. From the moment he got what he got, he, he lived in perpetual sadness and resentment. And his life, instead of increasing, which is what happens in every life connected to God, his life went down in the dirt where we bury dead things. 
In the name of Jesus, some of you are burying your lives in fear, anger, addiction, resentment, work, the quest for more money and more things. And you know what you should do when you find yourself in a deep, deep hole? Stop digging. The harder our heart becomes, the smaller and sadder we live. Sixth, what you, what you think uh, you got determines how big you live. If you feel shortchanged in life, you're going to live a small life. Right? Some of you got hair. Some of us do not. And while that may be okay when you're six months old, when you're older, it's different. What do you do with a hand you're dealt? What do you do, seriously? What do you think about the hand you're dealt? Just be honest for just a second. What do you think about the hand God dealt you? The way you look? The talents, the abilities you have? You know? Do, do you feel like you can't win? Do you feel like you're, you're shortchanged? Are you embarrassed? Do you hate yourself? Do you look in the mirror and just hate what you see? It's not from God. See, it all goes back to what we believe about how good and generous God has been to us. And faith says God is good even when. Even when I don't have what I, what I need, God is still good. Because even in what I don't have, God provides. In the story of 2 Kings um, 4, 4, it's the story of the widow who didn't have much of anything. And, and, and she had a little bit of oil. But in the hands of God, she, she gave what she, little she had and all that she didn't have. And it filled up a whole village's worth of jar with oil worth, worth enough to live the rest of a lifetime on. God is good. Wait, wait, wait a minute. When is God good? Even when it hurts. Even when, you're, when you look and you don't understand why you don't have. Even when you wish you had more talent or more of this. No, no, no. All of that is, is from hell. Living overwhelmed by the generosity of God brings life to its highest and its best. My journey through the fasting these last 21 days was really um, kind of settled in Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that God's going to give you, you know, Mercedes and other things. No, no, no. Think about what he'll give you the desire. God gives me a new set of desires. And instead of living my life resentful for what I don't have, instead of living my life grieving an alcoholic childhood and, and all that I didn't get, and instead of grieving having to raise myself, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can delight in the Lord. That's where my joy is. Some of you are burying your life even as we speak because you're mad at the people in your household. You're mad at your husband. You're mad at your wife for what they're not doing, what they're not giving. You're going to live your whole life with a shovel and it's just going to go down. In Jesus' name, stop it. In Jesus' name, realize that, that God is able, according to 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, all that you need to what? To win. 
Now, I don't want to sound like a, a certain celebrity we know that was, uh, you know, high on drugs, but, but the whole point of, of our faith in Christ is that we are winning. <laughs> really. Then God has given you all that you need that you may abound in every good work. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life. You can succeed. You can win. And you don't have to want to be like somebody else. You don't have to, to grieve what you don't have. You know, when I, when I was in, in 10th grade, uh, my dad was an all-state basketball player, and, and I looked like I should be able to play basketball. But I cannot. You know, I'm fine one-on-one. -on -one. You know, that's just me, rather. Um, <laughs> you know, but when it starts happening really fast, I just can't see the court. And I can remember uh, in 10th grade, seriously, just being so frustrated on the court one day, just so frustrated because, because I just, no matter how hard I tried, I just wasn't good enough. And then it occurred to me, you're not gifted to do this. Oh, okay, you know. And I made a decision. I jumped over to cross country and I ran and I learned so many great things in cross country. The point was simply, you can spend your whole life mad at what you don't have or you can find the cards that you do have and play them. And in cross country, I did not win first in state. But what I did was win and learned the, what I know the very fastest I can possibly run three miles. I know. I really do know the limits of what my body can do. And for me, that was a huge, huge win. God has given you the ability to win. And, and you don't have to look at what anybody else has. All you have to do is understand that God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted. So you have the pigment of skin that you're supposed to have. You were born in the century you were supposed to be born in. You have the intellect you're supposed to have. You have, you have the, the musical abilities you're supposed to have, the voice. You have the math abilities you're supposed to have, the artistic abilities. Everything you're supposed to have for the glory of God, you've got. So play the hand you're dealt to win. See, the truth is God rewards us based on what we did with what we had, not according to what we could have done with what we didn't have. And that's the way a lot of us want to play this thing. Well, God, I could have done better if you'd have given me such and such. Well, I could have done better if, if and then and what we're doing is accusing God of being evil, which is what Satan did when he walked away from God. So here's the foundational choice that we make. God is good and all the time, even when we don't understand it, even when we hurt, even when God is still good, we can win. We can grow. We can succeed joyously. We can anticipate. Guys, the truth is that the Church of Seven Run has been given everything it needs to reach 5,000 disciples for, for Jesus Christ. And that's just our small part of God's plan to reach 8 billion people on planet Earth because God doesn't want anybody to be lost. He wants everybody to come into the heart of His Son. And so, even what we don't have in God's hands, even what we don't have is, is, a, is a part of God's plan of provision for, for the future. Today, I just want to invite you to a, a completely new experience of, of life with God. It is a life that begins with acceptance. There are many of you who today, your whole life can change from this message forward if, if you will accept the hand that you have been dealt.
if you will accept the hand that you're dealt and play it to win, believing that, that God the Father is so good and has been so generous to you, then one day you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servants. Well done. But if you hold in your heart this idea that God is evil, and if you live in your, your life looking around and comparing uh, your whole life to people around you, you're, you've just committed yourself to life in a deep, deep hole where it's dark, it's muddy, it's a mess, and there's no way out. A change of attitude is a change of life. Today I'm going to invite you to change your attitude and change your life. Here's how. Accept your gifting and repent of your resentment towards God. However you are gifted, it is the handiwork of a perfect and almighty God that will serve his kingdom purposes for his glory. Secondly, invest your best and you excel for God's glory. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. If you're on a 10-man team and you're the slowest, then you run your race with everything you've got for the glory of God. If you're at work, then you be your best at work. You be the best father, the best student, the best son, the best daughter. You excel, and everything that you put your hand to ought to grow for the glory of God. Third, expect your reward. I mean, you just live anticipating the win. <laughs> Christ won for me on the cross and now re redeemed and reconnected to him. I, I live um, winning and playing the hand that I'm dealt and now I, I live anticipating the next win that is to come in heaven. Jesus changes everything. Will you accept him and accept the win that he's handed you and offer your life to God in a way that's doubled, tripled, 30, 60, 100 fold. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask in your name um, that you would just mark a fork in the road today and that there would be a profound change in the lives of hundreds and hundreds of us here today. That God, we would repent of our resentment and God, that we would we would rejoice at the hand that you have given us and now through faith and grace we would play the hand you've dealt us in a way that wins for eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name as all God's people say, amen. Let's stand and respond as God would have us to. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.